This is Nick Sakevich, Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores! Now it's Brian Cadell scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome everyone to episode 50 of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today we are happy to be joined by Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you guys. Uh, so Nick, before we got into our NLL discussion a little bit, we wanted to dive uh, a bit into your background with Major League Soccer. Prior to becoming commissioner for the NLL, you've had an extensive career serving as a president and GM of a few clubs and eventually helping bring a franchise to Philadelphia in the union. And as a former uh, Sons of Ben member and Philly native, just wanted to thank you for bringing that squad to Philly. Um, how has your experience uh, with Major League Soccer helped you in your current role as commissioner? Uh, well, it, it's uh, it's been instrumental. It was a great uh, two decades for me in that league. You know, we founded the league, started the league in 1995, launched it in 96. Built a couple of stadiums uh, along the way in yeah. New York and Philadelphia. It's, it, I didn't know you were a Sons of Ben member. I run, yeah. I, I run into you. I was running through the airport the other day, and, and someone grabbed me and, and said that they were a Sons of Ben member. So there's Sons of Ben all over the place. Absolutely. It's just, it just a great experience, you know, two over two decades in, in the sport as an executive. I played the game, of course. But being in lacrosse now, it's it's deja vu for me. It's a uh, it's a sport that is arriving at its time, much the way soccer did in the late '80s, early '90s, with all of these kids playing soccer and now growing up, and they're all adults and spending money on the sport and passionate about the game. We're seeing that in lacrosse everywhere, and uh, it's exciting. I never thought I'd have another once in a lifetime opportunity to build a league and, and build a sport and bring teams to markets. You know, we brought, we brought the wings to Philadelphia uh, last year and so proud to have contributed and been a part of bringing two professional sports teams to one city. So it's exciting times for lacrosse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. And another market you just recently uh, entered into is the Halifax market. Uh, you're fresh off the heels of the Halifax Thunderbirds home opener this past weekend. Um, and uh, you were in attendance for that game, I believe. Uh, tell us that experience in Nova Scotia for Game One. Well, actually, I wasn't in attendance. I was oh, in I'm Buffalo. Sorry, okay. I was in Buffalo. We had some uh, some of our other executives were in Halifax. I was in Halifax the week before when they did the open house and had a packed house for for just an intra squad scrimmage game. But last weekend's opener was phenomenal. Uh, you know, packed house again. The fans were loving it, you know, being introduced to the sport of box lacrosse. And it was a fantastic game. The home team won, which is great. I always root for the home team. Good for business. Uh, and um, uh, it was just fantastic to put a team in that market. It's our fifth our fifth Canadian team. Uh, you know, we, we see a pathway to seven or eight teams in Canada someday. And like hockey 30, 40 years ago, uh, box lacrosse is coming to the USA. We have eight teams, a new one opening up on the 27th in New York City, the Riptide. Uh, and we have more teams coming into the United States uh, over the coming years. 
Fantastic. You know, and they had a fantastic turnout for that inner squad scrimmage and a fantastic turnout for, for week one. So we're really excited to see uh, those fans continue to come out. But we talked a little bit about Halifax and we discussed uh, adding two more squads in the New York Rochester Nighthawks and the New York Riptide, um, bringing this league to about 13 teams now. So what went into the league's thought process and picking criteria when deciding on which expansion franchises to really branch out into? Well, first and foremost, it's about bringing great owners uh, into the league and attracting blue chip uh, operators and owners. So, you know, in the case of Rochester, that's uh, Tim and Terry Pagula doubling down on their investment in Mm -hmm. lacrosse. They uh, have owned the Buffalo Bandits. It's one of our uh, marquee teams. You know, they kind of set the gold. They're one of the teams that sets the gold standard in our league in terms of in-game product on the floor. They've been in the championship uh, two times out of the last four seasons, and and uh, they now own the Rochester Nighthawks and will continue to build that team in that market. New team in New York City, big market. Very important for us to be in the New York City market. Uh, we've been there before, but not with not with strong ownership. And mm-hmm. now we have uh, institutional capital, a private equity fund led by Gary Furman. Uh, Eric Baker and Tyler Brenneman, who have invested in um, the Riptide, and will be launching that team on the 27th. So we're excited to have them in the league as well. So it's all about ownership, guys. It's mm-hmm. uh, having quality, and now from A to Z, really, uh, all our entire roster of owners are blue chip. We have five NHL teams, we have two NFL teams, we have two NBA owners. Uh, and we have uh, a, a number of independent owners who are very committed, well-resourced to invest. So it starts with that. Then you have to have a great arena and a great arena deal to operate in so that you can make a sustainable business out of it. So we, we look we look at a proper arena and a proper arena setup. And then the marketplace. There's very few bad markets in sports. There Maybe is some that are way more difficult than others, but you know there's only bad owners and bad arenas, um, not really not really bad markets. And we we don't have any bad owners. We won't bring any bad owners into the league uh, anymore. Over the 34 year history of the league, we've had some um, that really didn't belong in professional sports, and they're no longer here. So we're really uh, we're really uh, focused on making sure that the owners are blue chip, the arenas are great arena deals, and they can invest in operations to grow the sport in the local community. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it, it's great, too, for the stable expansion of the league because we know we have seen the league expand in the past. But like you said, um, you know, looking at those criteria um, is what's allowing for continued expansion and stability long term. Um, and I know you spoke to Devin uh, you know, about currently planning on adding an expansion team each year for the next three years and are looking at seven specific markets. Um, I don't know, can you discuss any of those markets with us? But if not, you know, what are you really looking at uh, in those seven expansion markets uh, going forward? Well, I can't, um, I, I can't speak to individual markets because we're under um, strict non-disclosure agreements sure. with yep, yep. each of the investors. And in some of those markets, we have multiple owners that are interested like we had in New York. We had three interested parties before GF Capital uh, was awarded the franchise. So it, it's uh, it's great to have that level of interest. Um, 
what we look for, we look really look for commitment to the league uh, and, uh, you know, not just wealthy owners that have a lot of money, but, you know, wealthy owners that have a lot of money that they're prepared to invest over the long haul into the league. Um, mm-hmm. What we've seen in the last four years is franchise values in the NLL have gone up over 600% from uh, the time when Joe Sy bought San Diego to now uh, GF Capital owning the New York Riptide, those franchise values have increased dramatically. Um, still, small numbers, you know, relatively speaking, as compared to, you know, the billions of dollars that NBA and NFL teams go for, the high hundreds millions that the NHL goes for. MLS is now approaching 300 million for a franchise. We're nowhere near that um, mm-hmm. yet, yet, but but we are now. Our franchises are valuable now, and mm-hmm. there's reasons for owners to invest in those franchises because no longer are they uh, are they not worth anything. Where an owner, if the owner's not doing well, can just get up and leave. If you get up and leave, you're leaving millions of dollars on the table in your franchise mm-hmm. value. So, mm-hmm. so that's what we look for. We also look for geography. Um, it's really important to spread the expansion of the NLL and not bunch it up too much. Um, it's no secret we're we're kind of bunched up in the Northeast, so mm-hmm. teams like San Diego uh, were really important because it gives us a presence in the Southwest. So we're looking at geographic expansion in the central part of the United States. Mm-hmm. Halifax, Halifax was great. It spread us mm-hmm. out into the Atlantic time zone in North America. So now we stretch from Halifax to Vancouver to San Diego. Um, and we want to, you know, we have a team in Denver. We want to populate the central part of North America a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, a mar- markets like Edmonton and Winnipeg and Chicago and St. Louis and Dallas and, um, uh, some of the, you know, Milwaukee, um, Detroit, those, those areas are important for us to be in. We're looking, you know, at Seattle, Portland, uh, Phoenix, and we just want to be really smart, uh, how we layer in franchises across the geography of North America. So kind of speaking on those types of markets and let's dive into, uh, the conversation from a broad set broadcast perspective. You just signed a, a deal with BR Live to broadcast all games uh, and actually made the first two weeks of the season free to kind of grow that viewership. Um, this deal with BR Live is, is huge. How key is this deal to building uh, the local audiences, national audience, and is, is this going to turn into a potential TV deal down the line, or what, what's your expectation uh, for the league from a broadcast perspective? Well, it, it is our TV deal, and, and yep. we took we took a digital first approach you know um the the uh, cell phone i'm talking to you on is a television today and the Mm -hmm. the computer screen in your office and your tablet and your 65 inch screen tv at home is a computer and a television now and digital is really changing the world so what, what what digital does for us is it gives a league like ours the ability to broadcast every game live so all 117 NLL games are broadcast live anywhere you want, anytime you want, on any device that you want. And that kind of flexibility really um, speaks to the young audience that we have. So the millennial generation and Gen Z, there's over 200 million now in North America that fall into that age category. 
And they're lacrosse fans, and they're the ones who want to watch the sport. They're the ones who are playing the sport, and and uh, they're the fans of the future, and they're the fans in our league. Um, you know, we do we do have older older fans in our league, no question, because we've had teams in some markets for 25 years, and mm-hmm. um, we we will have a linear strategy. But right now, we're focused on distributing our product as widely as we can on BR Live. It's the second year of our deal. Um, coming into the first year last year, we increased our viewing audience by by five times uh, from the prior NLL TV product, uh-huh. which we which we launched three years ago. We had NLL TV really as a beta test more than anything. The first two years, we wanted to see if people would watch us on VR on a NLL TV streaming. They uh-huh. did in a big way. We I don't know if you remember, we did it. Twitter game of the game of the week yep, uh, yep. and the, the numbers were extraordinary. Um, I think you're going to see a big announcement this week uh, on another TV product to be able to really open up the top of the funnel and get more fans watching the league. So that's our strategy right now. We are exploring uh, linear television options, but one one stat to keep in mind is last year all live sports were broadcast on digital over-the-top streaming 35% of all live broadcasts. And that number is dramatically growing. So we believe the future is digital. We believe the future is mobile. So do a lot of other people like Turner Mm -hmm. Sports and BR Live and ESPN and Plus and CBS Digital and NBC Gold. And there's a a big movement into this space, and uh, we want to move with it not uh not against it yeah no i i think that's great um and you know and you're not ignoring either the the audience that still does watch on tv too because i know you have a lot of local broadcast deals uh with some of these teams too you know i i know i think msg is broadcasting some of the the riptide home games um you know and then you got altitude sports this year we'll have seven of our 13 teams with local uh linear television deals which is really important for marketing and spreading the word and getting Mm -hmm getting the sport more into the mainstream as it continues to grow at the grassroots level. Yeah, no, that's great. And I want to touch on, too, your partnership with uh, Grabio because you mentioned how you guys are trying to be forward-thinking and really you know, invest in the digital space, and they're helping you provide real-time highlights on social media. Um, so how did that partnership kind of come about? Well, that was a really important investment that we had to make because in, in surveying our fans uh, over the last couple of years, it really resonated that they were interested in highlights. Our sport is so awesome to watch. You've got 25 to 30 goals a game, 80 to 100 shots on goal. You've got hitting, you've got finesse, you've got stick tricks that go on during the two-hour period. So highlights and the ability to deliver real-time highlights quickly to our fans was a high priority. And no one does it better uh, than Grabio, and they really are a platform that help us deliver those highlights in real time. And we've seen some amazing results in just our first two weeks. Last weekend, we had a top 10 play both in Canada and the U.S. on ESPN and TSN. Uh, I think we were number three on ESPN, Josh Burns diving goal across yep. the goal uh, yep. in, in, in Buffalo, which I, I got to watch that replay like 10 times to really understand <laughs> what, what he did. But but when that, that stuff is so important to get um, fans excited about it and new fans um, uh, interested in watching the game. So Grabio is able to deliver those highlights for us in, in real time. 
Yeah, no, it's been great so far. I mean, uh, like I said, it's it's nice too. Um, you know, you people can watch the game through BR Live on their phone, but even if they're just following on Twitter, you guys have been pushing out those highlights. You know, like you said in real time. So I think that's huge um, that you guys have that partnership with them. Um, and then going off of that too, I want to get in a little bit to uh, sports gambling and fantasy sports. You know, that's all the rage these days with a lot of the top professional leagues. Um, and, you know, we're actually currently running our own free weekly NLL Fantasy Lacrosse Challenge ourselves, kind of just to give people, you know, a little taste of it. But is the NLL laying the groundwork to introduce sports gambling or, you know, a large-scale fantasy lacrosse platform in the future? Yeah, we absolutely are. We have been laying that groundwork over the last couple of years. Um, you know, fantasy and gaming, uh, well, fantasy is really important in terms of fan engagement and having people interested in the game sports betting component is a little bit more complex and mm -hmm. sure. really is uh, also more of a marketing strategy than a revenue stream. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people think that sports betting, all oh, the teams in the leagues will make tons of money in sports betting. It's that's really not the case. The people who make all the money are the States that mm -hmm. license gambling, <laughs> the States <laughs> that license gambling and the, Casino and bookmakers also make uh, a little bit of money, but the margins are very tight. The reason we really want to uh, expand into sports betting and gaming is really for exposure and marketing. People who bet on a sport or game on a sport are 80% more likely to become fans of that sport, and that's a, that's a real factual metric, and that tells you that uh, it's a powerful marketing tool. So we're laying the groundwork, you know, our – our partnership with Sports Logic to expand our stats platform this year uh, is part of building the infrastructure to support fantasy and gaming. Mm -hmm. um, we announced the deal with Genius Sports, which is an integrity platform that mm -hmm. monitors who's gaming, who's betting on our games, um, how they're betting on our games. That's really important to keep our competition clean. Um, and so we've got that in place now. We're We're putting pieces of uh, integrity in place so that we can monitor when we flick the switch, uh, we can monitor who's betting on our games. And we signed a deal last week. We haven't announced it yet, but we're going to announce it um, with a, a, a big uh, bookmaker, um, big, big company. And we're really excited about that partnership. And they are going to be the ones that are going to market our uh, sports bet, put a, put lines in states where it's legal to to bet on sports. They're going to uh, be the bookmaker for it, and they're also going to be our marketing partner. And that announcement, uh, we have so many announcements lined up. I'm just yeah. trying to think where that's going to be announced. Uh, this week or next week, I think, we'll be making that announcement. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I think what you hit on was key, that it's a great for exposure of a sport, you know, especially a sport like lacrosse. Because part half the battle is just getting people, you know, interested, and that's one of the ways to get people interested. You know, I I have so many friends that um, do sports betting, and they'll be talking about, you know, either a European soccer game or you know, uh, uh, not as prime matchup of some college basketball teams, and really they wouldn't be watching that game if they weren't betting on it. So I think that's key, you know, for the future of this league to grow is um, really getting people interested uh, in different avenues, and that's one of the avenues I think that's great. No, you're exactly right. And speaking of uh, kind of announcements, I'm curious if there may be another announcement down the road. Um, as many pro leagues uh, have all-star games during the mid-season point is to break up and test new markets, we haven't seen an MLL all-star game since 2012. Uh, does the league have any plans of bringing uh, an all-star game back anytime in the future? 
So we're dabbling this year. Um, as you know, we're playing a game in Las Vegas yep. between the uh, Colorado Mammoth and the San Diego Seals. Uh, we'll also be making another announcement, um, not on an all-star game, but on a similar concept. Um, so all-star games are tough business. You know, sure. a lot of the leagues over the years have re-engineered the traditional East versus West uh, all-stars. You know, fans are more demanding in terms of they, they don't want to just see a bunch of star players play against each other in a meaningless game. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were in uh, in Major League Soccer, we had the same problem with East versus West. So what what we did was we reinvented the All-Star game so that MLS All-Stars play against a, a world powerhouse team like a Manchester United or Real Madrid or a big a big brand uh, international team, which brought more interest in that game from fans. It was easier to sell tickets up in it. So we're looking at those uh, possibilities in the NLL and creating uh, our version. You know, in hockey, NHL has done a great job with the stadium series games. Yep, absolutely. Um, and and you know they still have an all star traditional all star game. You know that that league's a lot older than ours and they have a more established all-star game tradition like baseball. So we, we have to be really smart and strategic and think about what our fans want. We're look at the end of all of it, all this technology, all this marketing, all this uh, stuff that we talked about on this call. It doesn't, it doesn't mean much unless it's aimed at the fans. We are a fan first league. We will always be as long as I'm commissioner, we'll always be a fan first league <laughs> Um, because they're the lifeblood of our league. They're the ones who come to the games and support the teams and the athletes, and we have to really be laser-focused on what the fans want. So we're going to continue to look at games like we're playing in Vegas and look at different uh, options, but we're going to ask our fans what they want, and we're going to try to deliver it uh, economically and sustainably so we could do it every year. We don't want to just you know, do an all-star game one year and then pop out because mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't work or it wasn't profitable or sustainable. So we, we just want to be really smart and service the fans that the best way we can for the long haul. No, that's great. Um, no, I, I think that's a very, very good plan. And um, Nick, this has been extremely enlightening. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Uh, and, you know, we wish you, you and the entire NLL front office and the, the rest of the league the best the season. So I uh, thank you again for your time. Yeah, thanks. And happy holidays to all of you and your listeners. And uh, catch us on BR Live. We're on every weekend. And some incredible first two weeks have been unbelievable with the, some of the play, the best, the best lacrosse players in the world. So excited to move forward in the league. Catch us on BR Live. Yeah, absolutely. Me and Adam will be watching, and hopefully, you know, all our listeners will continue to watch as well uh, on BR Live. So, guys, sign up for that, uh, you know, to get all the NLL coverage this year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. 
You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so you just heard our conversation with Nick Sakevich. Uh, he revealed a lot of interesting things. Let's discuss some more of these revealing details in our conversation with the commissioner. Uh, first, I want to cover the league's plans for expansion. Uh, Nick mentioned the league plans to add three teams over the next three years, and that he wants to get you know seven or eight teams in Canada in the future. Uh, we tried asking about those seven markets, and you know, of course, he couldn't really uh, reveal that to us. Uh, but he certainly gave us a bunch that appear that they are considering. Um, He mentioned expanding more to the central part of North America, like Edmonton, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, Milwaukee, Detroit. Uh, He also mentions, you know, places like Seattle, Portland, and Phoenix. So while he couldn't tell us which markets they're specifically looking at uh, because of the non-disclosure agreements they have, he revealed a lot that could be considered, and uh, the majority already have NHL arenas, which I think make logical choices. Uh, But another one, I think, is obviously Vegas. Um, you know, being a front runner, uh, given they're hosting a Seals game in Vegas in February. Sounds like that's one of the ones that's going to come sooner rather than later. Um, again, we can't confirm that, and the commissioner obviously couldn't confirm that with us either. But um, I think you could see a team in Vegas within the next three years. Yeah, and, and we, we've seen previously reported by Jake Elliott that it uh, looks like Dallas is one of the leading candidates to, to get a squad. Um, going forward as well, so that that leaves one spot right for those remaining uh, franchises, and we've seen franchises in places like Edmonton, Chicago, um, and Portland before. I think all would be fantastic candidates. You know, places like Winnipeg, uh, from a geographical standpoint, seem to make sense. Adding another uh, squad to the Canadian roster would, would be a big one uh, for the league. So I'm excited to see what what happens going forward, whether they return to a city uh, for that third spot or start fresh somewhere else. Yeah, so am I. And, um, yeah, I, you mentioned those. Uh, I think, you know, city that was not mentioned but that we talked to Teddy Jenner about and I would really like them going to is Nashville. Um, I think it's the perfect market with the Predators having a solid fan base and, the, you know, Bridgestone Arena being a perfect venue for an NLL team. It's right on Main Street. So um, I would like to see Nashville maybe get a team. They'd kind of be in that center uh, geographical region that you know Nick Sakevich talked about, so you know maybe look for them to be considered. Um, they weren't mentioned in his list, but I'm sure he's keeping some of those cities close to the chest as well. Yeah, and and what one thing I, I would like to add when it comes to that list, a team like Seattle, I kind of don't expect to be one of the three squads since their arena. Um, they're getting an NHL expansion franchise and are hoping to get the Sonics uh, in the NBA from an NBA perspective back to back to the city. Uh, I kind of expect that to be a little bit later on down the road with their, when their arena gets finished um, in a couple of years. Yeah, no, and they, they tried, uh, you know, with the Washington Stealth at that one point, um, and then now the Vancouver Warriors. So um, I think, yeah, you might see a little bit of a delay on that. And um, I also kind of feel the same way about Chicago. You know, they were only in there for two years, and I think that market could maybe pan out. But for right now, I don't see them returning there uh, just quite yet. Those are his comments on expansion, um, and I think you know they're doing some great things with that. I also think they're going about it the right way strategically with uh, you know with the owners that they bring in. 
Um, and I like their commitment to digital streaming that he mentioned, uh, you know, giving fans access to these games, not just via BR Live, but also in local TV markets. And, you know, based on our conversation, other digital platforms. Yeah, not too long after our conversation with Nick, the league announced there'll be free uh, weekly NLL games of the week. Uh, that'll be available uh, on Facebook and Twitter, allowing for different ways to access the games. That's obviously appealing uh, to the younger generation they're trying to attract. Yeah, no, and another part of their exposure strategy that we talked about was, you know, preparing for gambling. I think Nick hit the nail on the head when he said the reason leagues get into sports gambling is not that it brings a ton of money, uh, but that it brings an entire new audience that maybe wouldn't have been watching lacrosse had they not had the ability to bet on games. So I think it's crucial for the growth of not just the NLL, but pro lacrosse in general uh, to get into sports gambling and fantasy sports. Uh, you know, we, we talk about with the PLL, you know, how they're looking to bring fantasy sports into the fold next year. Um, and it, again, it's as an exposure uh, standpoint. Like we talked about, you know, with our interview with Nick, how many people that I know that gamble on quote-unquote meaningless games that they don't really care about, but they're meaningful to them because they have a stake invested in it in terms of, uh, you know, money and potentially uh, winning. So, um, again, I think if you get lacrosse into the sports betting sphere, you're going to see a lot more fans get attracted to it uh, just in terms of because they are gambling on it. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that's the way to go, and it's nice to see that Nick mentioned they, they have big plans uh, to introduce that in the future and are really preparing for it right now. Yeah, and then one of my final questions I, I was looking to get an answer on, it doesn't look like uh, the league uh, will be bringing back that all-star game um, in the near future. We haven't seen one since 2012, uh, but they will be exploring new ways to attract fans and, and garner buzz for the league, um, much like the recently announced Rumble on the runway game between the Seals and Warriors and the Warriors uh, that will take place on Marine Corps Space uh, runway, which is really exciting to see. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so overall, some great deals out of the commissioner. Uh, we appreciate his time and look forward to watching the league continue to grow. That wraps up episode 50. We want to thank everyone who's listened to us and supported us over these past seven months. Uh, still crazy to believe we're already at 50 episodes. And if you guys enjoyed this or any of our episodes, please consider leaving a review on our podcast uh, platforms, sharing this podcast with one of your fellow lacrosse fans. And we are grateful for your listenership and support. And we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.